I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, my pallbearers of diet culture. This is episode three of RIP Diets. Welcome back. If you didn't hear the first two episodes, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to them because we are covering the 10 principles of intuitive eating, and I cover the first two in the first two episodes. So I think it's probably best if you're interested in the intuitive eating aspect of this show, which is the heartbeat of this show, to go back and listen so you can really absorb the first two principles and all the other cool shit that we covered on those episodes. But if it's your first time, welcome. My name is Emily Lubin. We talk about how to smash diet culture to pieces and scatter it on the ocean that is life. Today we're going to talk about principle number three of intuitive eating, which is make peace with food. I'm going to break that down for you, but first let me read the official definition from intuitiveeating.org. Call a truce. Stop the food fight. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. If you tell yourself that you can't or shouldn't have a particular food, it can lead to intense feelings of deprivation that build into uncontrollable cravings and often binging. When you finally give in, quote unquote, to your forbidden foods, eating will be experienced with such intensity, it usually results in last supper overeating and overwhelming guilt. Let's talk about the last supper. Now, uh, everyone is familiar with the iconic Last Supper painting of Jesus with all his homies, um, all his disciples. I hope I'm not offending anybody by calling them homies. All his disciples, they're sitting at this long dinner table. They're praying over their food. And this is the Last Supper because it is the last night that Jesus will be here on earth because the next day he was scheduled to be crucified I don't I don't know if it's how I don't know how it works in terms of scheduling in the crucifixion game but that is the story and the last supper means something different when we're talking about intuitive eating and chronic dieting the last supper is the basic umbrella term that means restricting certain foods will only lead to the overconsumption of those foods. So it's a theory, and I think many of us have experienced this. Um, it's kind of like a pendulum. When you swing the pendulum too far to one side, the natural course of action is it's going to swing all the way to the other side. So if you restrict, 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 tell yourself, I cannot eat Bread. I can't eat bread. I don't want to eat bread. Bread's bad for you. I've decided I'm not eating bread. Eventually, when you're at a restaurant and you see that basket of dinner rolls, you're not going to be able to contain yourself anymore because you haven't had bread in so long and they're going to look so tempting and the scent is going to be oozing off of them like it does in cartoons and it's going to be going up your nostrils and your eyes are going to get all big and you are just going to go ham on those dinner rolls even if you don't want to even if you just ordered 
I don't know, a big plate of noodles and maybe uh, you would have one dinner roll before to whet your appetite. Suddenly the basket is empty. You've eaten eight dinner rolls and you feel guilty and too full. The reason why this happens is because naturally when you tell yourself that something is off limits, it's only going to make you want it more. And I think many of us have had that experience that if we try to restrict during the day, okay, maybe uh, 2, 3, 4 o'clock p.m. comes around and we've been, quote, good and we've been restricting and maybe, you know, we've had a couple small meals, no snacks and... Maybe we're feeling hungry, maybe we're feeling fine, but either way, something psychologically happens that later on in the night, you end up eating so much more than you would have if you had just given yourself what you wanted and what you were craving in the first place. And it's it's a psychological process, the diet binge cycle, I'm sorry, the restrict binge cycle works as just that, as a cycle. So if you restrict, it will lead to a binge, which will then lead to feelings of guilt, which will then cause you to restrict to kind of counteract that guilt. And then that will lead to another binge. So we want to stop that cycle. We want to stop it in its tracks. No more last supper mentality. No more, you know, my diet starts tomorrow or any of that bullshit. We want to give ourselves what we are craving and make peace with food. Pretty straightforward, but it is something that I myself need to go back to a lot because whenever I have the thought, oh, you know, do I really need to be eating this? I just remind myself, if I don't let myself have this, what does that mean later on because I have experienced the same process over and over and over again when I was in my eating disorder and even when I was in the early stages of recovery I would tell myself okay I you know I can I can have certain things but they're sometimes foods they're not something I can have every day but I can have them in small amounts and that's a very slippery slope because you still build it up in your mind as something that you're not supposed to have. So it's still off limits psychologically, even if you're letting yourself have it sometimes. You need to take your foot off the brake and allow yourself to go a little ham for a short period of time because that's the only way to reinforce within your mind I can have this food. Nothing is off limits. I've made peace with food. And that's what I have to say about that. Now, into our next order of business, I am going to talk to you guys about reality TV, which is one of my passions after fighting diet culture and smashing the patriarchy. Those are like my top two. My third best interest is reality TV. I'm a huge consumer and um, it used to be a guilty pleasure, but now I've talked about it ad nauseum and it is no longer a guilty pleasure. It is just something that I take pleasure in. I used to watch the real world with my sister. This was, oh my God, 15 plus years ago. The Paris season was great. I didn't watch too much of the real world, but I remember watching that season with my sister. That was a phenomenal show. I watched Laguna Beach. I watched The Hills, The Simple Life. I watched season one of The Bachelorette. That was probably when I was 
10 or so. And the bachelorette was Trista, who is one of the few bachelorettes that is still with the person she chose. Yes, we stand a decisive queen. But uh, in my early 20s, I rejected reality TV culture, um, as I think, you know, some people do. I wrote it off as a meaningless, contrived situation that always involved vapid airheads that had nothing to say. And then... Over the course of my 20s, I came crawling back to reality TV because it's fascinating. I find it fascinating. Reality TV is a direct reflection of what we value most in society and what we aspire to. And more and more, I've noticed a trend that people want to look artificially perfect. If you look at the girls on The Bachelor, how many of them get new faces as soon as they are able to get money from Instagram sponsored posts. Now, this is not to say that I have a problem with people modifying their bodies or faces if that's what they want to do to feel more like themselves. But when everyone represented on reality TV starts to transform into the exact standard of beauty that I know many women cannot achieve... And that's usually uh, thin, white, big boobs. It makes me feel like this is another step back for the body positive movement. So I hate to bring up the Kardashians because it's so played out. And I I don't want to talk shit about these girls. I actually think it's impressive, the empire that they've built. If you had a business that you were passionate about, then you would know what it takes to run a business, but you don't. And... I would never say that they don't deserve to be famous or they don't deserve to be rich. I don't think such a thing exists, really. But I read a quote from Kris Jenner that was posted to the E! News Instagram, and I found it so hilarious. It's never left me. I'm going to read this verbatim because I want to really dissect this. So Kris Jenner, I guess, was asked about what strides she believes her daughters have made in terms of body image. And she said, I think when the girls, Courtney, Kimberly and Chloe, first started doing our show, people really responded to them because they offered an image of something that was different. It gave young women self-esteem. They started to feel better about themselves because they could embrace their bodies and didn't have to have a certain look. Overall, I think the girls have been very influential in changing the way that women look at themselves. Um, this is a really funny joke. I don't know if she intended it as a joke. Um, and I'm not going to dwell too much on these people because I know that everyone is constantly tearing them down. And again, I don't want to do that. But I think they seem like fine people. I mean, they're probably insufferable, but I would be too if I was that rich and famous. So I can't judge it. I generally think what they have done is not bad for for feminism in terms of their business ventures. These are women who have built an empire off of essentially nothing. And I commend that because I'm trying to do the same thing over here, okay? Turn lemons into lemonade. Um, I think more women should actively take the advantages that are given to them and spin their misfortunes into fortune. I'm all about that, okay? But to say that they have contributed in any positive way to the collective body image of the American woman 
is nothing short of bananas. There isn't one person in that family who hasn't altered their body or face in some way. And then additionally, they require so much upkeep with the microblading and the hair and the contour and the shapewear. Ah, I'm getting a headache from thinking about how long it must take them to get ready. Again, I do not have a problem with women altering their appearance. You do whatever you want with your own body, period. But these women have collectively refashioned the old beauty standard into one that is just as hard to achieve. Only with this one, people require surgery to achieve it. So this is a pretty known fact. Kim Kardashian hires photographers, her own photographers, to take pictures of her on the beach and then Photoshop them to smooth out her cellulite. And then she releases them or they will release them as candid paparazzi photos. I can't imagine what it would be like to have your entire life and your entire livelihood based on an image. And it's an image that isn't even real when we really break it down. And then when her followers see that image, they aspire to look just like that, not realizing that it's impossible to look like that, even for them. It got me thinking, a friend of mine has a sister who loves the Kardashians. She loved um, watching the show and she followed them all on Instagram and just thought they were fabulous and liked them as many women do. And specifically, Khloe Kardashian was her favorite, which if I had to pick a favorite, that would probably be it because she seems like the most fun. But who knows? I mean, it might just be like an archetype that they wrote into the show. I mean, who knows? Anyway, so my my friend lived with her sister, who was a Kardashian stan. A Kardashian stan? Something's there. Um, and I was hanging out at her apartment one day, and a package was delivered to the apartment for my friend's sister and my friend looks at the label and realizes that it's some branded exercise equipment that her sister had probably ordered and she said to me oh I knew that my sister was going to order these booty bands or ankle weights or whatever the fuck I really don't remember what it was and I said why and she said because I saw Khloe Kardashian posted about it the other day and that made me realize the power that this family has. A simple sponsored post from them and people will buy the product that they're selling every single time because this is who women aspire to be like. We underestimate the power of social media in this way. So that's why I get angry when I see that the Kardashians or really any other celebrity are endorsing flat tummy tees and selling this image of themselves that is not real and not in any way attainable as something that is real and is attainable. It pisses me off. Moving on, um, I want to touch on another franchise that has been disappointing me nonstop for the past several years, and that's the Bachelor franchise. First of all, this show, more than any other reality show, lacks diversity in such a blatant, disgusting way. When you think of a bachelor girl, you think white and very thin. And that is, that's what 95% of them look like. There have been 40 seasons of The Bachelor and Bachelorette combined. And there has been only one black lead, which was Rachel Lindsay, who is a true queen. My biggest thing, and I feel like 
almost feel it's a responsibility of me to have been their only lead of color to step out and speak about that because if I could change one thing, it's the show doesn't reflect the real world. Love her. They had a great opportunity to cast a black bachelor one or two years ago, uh, Mike Johnson, and people were really gunning for him. People really wanted Mike Johnson to be The Bachelor. And I think part of it was because he had a really sweet seeming personality and he was charismatic and charming and just the perfect archetype for The Bachelor. But another reason was also because he's black and usually black people do not make it very far on The Bachelor franchise. They just, they don't. And I think part of the reason is because out of let's say they start with 30 contestants on The Bachelor, there might be six or seven people of color. So just to make it far enough to be in the running to be The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is a challenge for people of color. So, I mean, obviously that needs to change. That is, it seems like it's on purpose at this point. It really does. Um, And then aside from that, there's also a gross lack of body diversity the producers seem to go out of their way to cast women who have a very specific body type. They're all, you know, fashion model thin, usually with big boobs. They look like Barbie dolls. And they also all dress the same, talk the same, do their hair the same. It's like a weird Stepford Wives situation. Watching The Bachelor without a critical eye could really fuck you up, I think. And reality TV in general, I'm not talking about docu-series so much like what you would see on TLC or A&E because I think that's a different genre but reality TV shows don't reflect at all the body diversity that exists in the world and TV in general doesn't represent many different body types we know this but reality television is supposed to show reality, is it not? It's supposed to be a reflection of the common people. I mean, I can appreciate it very so rarely is that. And it's not quite as real as they want to seem. But I still think it's important that on these shows there be a little more representation. Because people do watch these shows and because it is a reality TV show, they think, why don't I look like that? That That's a real person, just like I'm a real person. That's not an actress. That's a regular person. So why is the lead really everybody, but especially the lead? Why are they always a thin white woman? Why? This brings me into today's guest. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that little rant I have. I could talk for hours about reality TV. I just, I find it, uh, it's a window into our collective mind. Um my guest today is a friend of mine. I know her through the near comedy scene, but she's also a cast member of Summer House on Bravo. Letting him get in between our friendships. I watched an entire summer with you because of him. Listen to me. Down insane. I feel so like betrayed. I finally got to watch some of Summer House to prepare for this episode, and here are my thoughts. Summer House is a different kind of show than the others that I just talked about because the cast only films on weekends and they maintain their jobs in New York City the rest of the week. So they film on weekends and they all go to the same summer house in the Hamptons. And it's a it's a very common thing that people in New York City do. They'll rent a house and, and uh, weekend there. 
So instead of a cast of people who don't seem to have actual jobs and are only there to try to start influencer careers like they do on The Bachelor, you really get a sense that these are real people and they have real lives. However, all the cast members are thin as well. There seems to be a a tad more body diversity, but not much. I would compare it to Vanderpump Rules, if you've ever seen that, which is also on Bravo. Everyone isn't necessarily a size two, but they're all still thin-bodied and conventionally very attractive, and mostly white. So I thought it would be kind of fun to get the inside scoop from somebody who was actually on Summer House. Hannah Burner, who's again my friend and very funny comedian, um, we're going to talk about the real vibe in the house. Are people on diets? Are they worried about how they're going to look on TV? How bad are the comments on social media for her? Also, at some point in this conversation, Hannah said that a guy sent her a text message convo over DM between him and his ex-girlfriend, and he said he broke up with his girlfriend because she was being really weird about him saying that he finds Hannah attractive. Yes, King. This is a body positive icon right here. Break up with your body shaming partners. Anyway... Let's get right into it. I hope you guys all enjoy this conversation with Hannah as much as I did. I am an avid reality TV watcher. I watch uh, The Bachelor religiously. I watch Vanderpump Rules. I've gotten into 90 Day Fiance, but I had never seen the show Summer House until literally yesterday. And it's because, (gasps) yes, I know, sacrilege. It's because I'm so excited. I have a friend of mine. She's a very funny comedian. She has a podcast called Burning in Hell. And she is a cast member on Bravo's Summer House, Hannah Burner. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. What did you watch yesterday of Summer House? Which season, which episode? Season three. Yep. The the first three episodes. Wow. You are about to go on a journey. Buckle the fuck up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What should I be prepared for? Fights, drama? It's a lot of... It's funny. Summer House is really like a coming of age story, I feel like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) even though we're all like late twenties, early thirties, kind of like my girl for 30 year olds. Yes. And it's basically like drunk therapy of friends who don't always like each other. Um, but you do see a lot of different relationship shifts. They follow our careers, which is pretty cool. Um, and I don't, I didn't expect people to love the show as much as they did. When I first was casted, it wasn't a particularly popular show I got Mm -hmm. on third third season so but I think it's like the chemistry they finally kind of got it right and um season four season three and four are are great seasons definitely is season four airing right now or did it just season four just finished airing okay did you have to do a a quarantine reunion like they did on Vanderpump yep we fought over zoom so that was Was that weird I I was wondering the entire time I was watching the Vanderpump reunion I was like I don't know if this would make me more likely to scream at people or less likely some people liked it because they felt like they got their time to like speak like you'd have your moment but I didn't like it because first of all the reunion is about intimidation you have to see me staring you down you have to feel my energy on zoom no one could tell I was staring them down yeah, because it just like it looks like you staring out into the ether. 
Exactly. You don't know what I'm staring at. And it was like, if you, I would try so hard to like get my point in. And then by the time people are finally listening to you, you get so nervous and you forget what you were going to say. Um, and yeah, I, I also think part of the fun part of Bravo when you're around Andy Cohen is like you get to dress up and you're in his presence yes. and you go to the clubhouse and I actually got asked to be on Watch What Happens Live for the first time this year. That's which is rad. Kind of like, in the Bravo world, it's like you've gone to heaven. <laughs> yeah. And it was right, it was three days before the city shut down and they basically were like, uh, we, we can get you on, come on Sunday. And I like ordered all these dresses online, like one day shipping and got some lady to come to my house to give me a spray tan and then the next day they're like yeah it's canceled so I did watch Amazon live over zoom as well oh my god were you disappointed I was disappointed however this is the new norm and we are going to create content no one can stop us but I can't wait for one day like actually being in the clubhouse and I just missed the energy of like the performative energy of the reunion that I wanted to kind of embrace um, it's interesting that y- you were saying like you, you didn't really know about the show before and weren't that interested in it before. I had a similar thought. Like I said, I watch all these reality shows and I had heard about the show, but I never watched it. I think it's because this world of like, you know, young professionals in New York City going to the Hamptons. I know people like that. When I watch Vanderpump Rules, I kind of like the escapism of seeing all these L.A. actressy type people who work in a restaurant. That's a less familiar. You are so right, because I actually never really watched Real Housewives of New York. And people were like, why? And I'm like, because so many of my friends' parents are just like that. Like, I've had so yeah. many dinner parties. Like, people are like, oh, my God, they're so crazy. They get drunk and say whatever's on their mind. I'm like, that's literally so many New York moms that I know yeah that, like I need to get away from sometimes <laughs> but yeah I love the escapism of watching like Beverly Hills where I'm like the culture is so different and like the style is so different and the way they speak to each other is so different where else right. I was in New York I'm like I could just go to a restaurant in the Hamptons and watch it and happen. just see those people yeah I mean you could see literally those people or people who look and act just like those people yeah um but you know I think to the rest of the country, that's probably a really interesting thing. And it's funny, you never, uh, I grew up in, in New York State, and it's just funny, like, you never think about the fact that, like, the it's lives so, that people, yeah, people you are know like, are living. You go somewhere differently during the summer and, like, explaining the concept of the Hamptons people love. But I do think that if you can get past, like, the, oh, I know so many people do this all the time, and you get invested in the actual people on the show, the cool mm-hmm. thing about the show, unlike other shows like Vanderpump which I love or Housewives is that it has hidden cameras so there's this element of like big brotherness to it where you can tell like it's so not scripted it's there's so many instances when you're like embarrassed for us or excited for us that's just so raw and like all the best shit happens when we get home drunk at night and we forget the cameras are there oh I'm sure oh my god do you get asked ever if it is scripted or if people suggest like the first thing people say they go is it fake and I I always say like no it's not fake I mean it's produced in a way that it's like okay um we go somewhere and we sit at a restaurant but it's the editing that tells the story 
top-notch editors we live our lives yeah incredible editors that will show what they think the audience would like to see yeah so I mean for anyone who hasn't seen the show the basic idea is you guys all keep your jobs it's um (laughs) it's unless we get fired which happens yeah right (laughs) um but you go to this house on the weekends for the summer so it's it's a little more like a slice of life than other shows where you might be stuck in a house like the real world for example is like the classic trope of everybody living in a house um, and they're stuck together for a given amount of time this is a little bit different because you go to your jobs during the week and then you drive out to the Hamptons on the weekend so they only film on the weekends right yeah so they'll film um, a day during the week or uh, an event that happens and I think when I was, I never wanted to be on reality TV. Like I've never like auditioned for The Bachelor or like auditioned. It was not like a thing I thought I'd ever be good at. Like I'm not a confrontational person really at mm-hmm. all. Um, and those are the only people who seem to get screen time are confrontational. I people. know. Like I literally hate fighting and I'm the worst at fighting and I'm still pretty bad at it. Or And then, or when I do step up, I like, I will never talk to that person again because I'm like so mean. So I try to never go there. So <laughs> I'm, so, I'm the same exact way uh, one of my best friends from high school said one time this was back when the movie Mean Girls was really popular yeah she said that when I get mad it's just like Gretchen Wieners you can't sit with us it's like oh my god like where did that come from yeah like it takes me so far to get to that place but once I get there like we're never speaking again which is just not great for reality tv because reality tv is about growing and progressing and stories nuance. and nuance but <laughs> I basically realized like this is my life it and they they're going to be able to show my job so I was like I can show this podcast I'm starting yeah um and I was also I hadn't st- I started stand up the next year, I believe, and they actually they ended up cutting. I performed like a show at Gotham, and that got cut. But anyway, the point is is that our show isn't just like actors trying to be famous. Like it's people who have actual careers. That like Kyle's starting a drink company, and like Lindsay has a PR company, and Paige does her fashion stuff. So it like benefited me in that way. But then it's just been this place where I did get to show my personality and I almost see like some people will try to sell stuff on the show, like their company. And I was promoting my personality and I heard that like, whatever happens, make sure just people either love you or hate you. And they're not just eh about you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned about reality TV. So I'm like, the people who love me can like watch my stand up, follow my social media, get like a deeper delve into like my brain. People who hate me, you still talk about me and that's, that's, good for more people to discover me and then maybe like me um but reality tv is about making mistakes and people watching you solve it so it's been just like an actual journey where I've really matured from it oh yeah yeah like I've been forced to be in social situations I would never put myself in because it's reality tv and it really makes you mature by having to face a lot of your fears and it really is a really fucked up social experiment that then America gets to enjoy yeah I I mean if they these people do seem a little more real I mean not a little they definitely <laughs> seem more real than like for example the girls that go on The Bachelor which are all mm. you know human Barbie dolls and yeah. I, I actually think that it's really harmful the lack of body diversity in The Bachelor specifically because oh yeah what's the whole like the whole concept of the bachelor is that you're picking um a group of women who would be a good catch for 
The Bachelor. And I think the implication by having everybody who's like a size two is that you need to fit into this narrow mold of what is considered it's hot. It's actually wild. Every single girl has like the same hip to waist to boob like ratio Like exactly on that the show. same. They, you know what? That's how they can only pack one bag because they can all share <laughs> clothes. I just realized that. Yeah, maybe that's it. But you're very right. Um, I... I had a lot of people message me during the show being like, hey, you've made me feel really confident about my athletic body type. Or like, I've, I started getting messages like that. And in the first season, I do deal with a little bit of, um, f- I had a little fight where a girl basically told me I wasn't feminine enough. Really? And the girl, she was just making little comments and stuff. And the girl who said that to me happened to have like fake boobs and like, fake hair and fake lips so it's like she has an idea of beauty and feminine femininity in this culture that she's trying to uphold and it's like she was almost upset that I wasn't adhering to that right like that you didn't feel the need to to change yourself or alter yourself that way yeah well I mean the in the episodes that I watched they showed you playing tennis and they also um in your interview you talked about having been a really serious tennis player do you think that growing up and being involved in a sport did it affect either positively positively or negatively your body image or how you related to food or anything like that 100% I saw my body as like my weapon of um, what I competed with and like my body needed to be healthy and I needed to have enough calories to compete and I just saw my body as this like powerful able thing that I just didn't want to get injured Um, and I had a I had a very like not sexual relationship with my body I like I didn't like to be sexualized like I just like kind of being me it wasn't until like I'd say senior year of high school that someone was like, you have a nice butt. And Mm. I was like, I do. (laughs) And then I was like, and then by college I was like, oh, I have a nice butt. But like, I didn't even know that. I didn't even get boobs until college. But it was good because I think my value was not connected with like the beauty of my body. It was more like what my body was capable of doing, which gave me its own issues of like trying to win at everything. But I did have an eating disorder when I was, um 15 oh yeah I didn't know that yeah I went to um a tennis academy and I left my family to try to become a professional tennis player and I think it was a combination of being alone Uh, there were like they were changing um like technical stuff with my strokes and I had a lot of pressure because my parents were paying for this opportunity and if I didn't win I felt like I like I just basically felt like this was my one and only chance and if I fucked it up I would never forgive myself And in that loss of control, I started to just control kind of my working out and eating in a very diligent way. So it's like I wasn't necessarily not eating a lot, but I was just like for the amount of calories I was consuming of playing basically five hours of tennis a day plus gym, which is insane also. Damn. That I was like I'd eat oatmeal in the morning and then I'd have like a snack of like an apple and then I would eat pasta and salad and just one serving and then at night I'd have like one serving of like whatever meat and whatever it was and if I was hungry I just wouldn't eat and then I'd wake up and work out before it like I just had this they call it like female athlete triad syndrome which is like you're overworking out you lose your period and you're under eating and it was actually that that made me realize like I'm not happy right now and I need to go home 
Oh. So I called my parents and I just like I wasn't able to be like, you need to quit your dream right now of competing in Florida. It was more like my body was so got really skinny and I just was crying all the time. And I had bad anxiety, but I didn't know it as a 15 year old. You're not like self-aware like that. And I, my, I went home and I like went to a therapist for a couple months and then like my eating got back to normal. And it's funny. I actually think I have a very healthy relationship with food. Um, I do eat too fast, but besides that, I see food as like something that it was. I know what it's like when you're obsessed with food and you're thinking about it and controls your life. But I was actually I'm on here talking like I overcame that. So like anyone who's listening who has a, a eating disorder, like I overcame mine. Yeah, I mean, I talk about on the podcast. I had an eating disorder, too, coming. Well, maybe like toward the end of college, which is later for most people but for me I grew up overweight so I grew mm-hmm. up overweight and my my parents were always you know tried all these different things but I think that it was so severe like I uh, sought so much comfort in food that it only naturally eventually went in the other direction because I was like yeah. well nothing is nothing's working so I guess I just have to stop eating you know what I mean but mm-hmm. so I think for that reason, I have a similar experience that going through that allowed me to come out on the other side much healthier. But I think for a lot of people, when it when it doesn't get that extreme, they could go years or p- potentially their whole lives yep. really thinking that they need to control and be so strict about what they eat or how much they work out. Maybe you're right because we hit a kind of rock bottom where I was like so depressed and I needed change. I like my mom actually um no I have family members who like struggled with stuff and um my one family member broke a bone and that was her like okay, I need to like eat healthy and get back to normal. So sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Yeah. And I do think that I realize also it's never about the food. It's like it's never about the guy. Like I'm I can have like OCD thoughts and anxiety and I'll be obsessing over something. And I'm like, OK, what are you actually upset about right now? And it, that's what happened with tennis. Like I was so worried about tennis that I was I just rather focus on food. So then when I was able to deal with my tennis issues more, the food became healthy. And I just hated the f- I remember freaking out once because my dad like forgot to order something in the Chinese food meal that I've been like looking forward to all day because that's all my happiness was yeah, surrounding. Yeah. And I just remember being like, I can't fucking do this anymore. And I kind of I love the idea of now I'm very free with food and that like if I want it, I eat it. And I l- try to listen to my body of when I'm full, I stop. And that's kind of really like the simplicity of it all and that my food doesn't affect my mood. Yeah, that's intuitive eating, baby. That is exactly what we talk about on this show. It's the way that I think all people should eat, but too few actually do because it actually is hard to master if you've always associated food with all these other you're things so right. and uh, your self-worth is so tied up in food. It's It, it can be a very difficult process for people to have to unpack like, okay, what am yeah. I actually feeling? Why why do I need to binge on these foods? 
to avoid my actual feelings. That can be a very painful thing for people to confront. And I have a different, I have kind of a different experience than you where I like, my weight hasn't really fluctuated at all my whole life. But the couple times that I've gotten really skinny, once was that time and then another was during a like abusive relationship where I lost a lot of weight. When I looked in the mirror, I wasn't like, oh my God, you're so skinny. I'm like, you're sick, honey. Like you're malnourished. Like I didn't feel yeah. good about myself when I was super skinny. I literally felt like you can't finish a sandwich right now because your stomach is turning. And I started to just th- think of my body as this thing that I need to be healthy with. And then it goes, to, yeah, there's so many angles of the, it, but part of it is also being like the man that loves me or the, or whoever you're attracted to is going to fucking love you and your body. And Everyone looks best in their natural body. (laughs) Totally. I totally agree. And also, people have less control over what their size is than they think they do. Um, And that's something that I truly believe. And that's why people who lose a significant amount of weight, statistics show that 97% will gain it back in the next five years. And more usually, right? And uh, often more. And... It's because you cannot, it is not sustainable to to stick to a strict eating regimen your entire life. Eventually, you're going to snap back to the other side, and that leads to weight cycling. And it's just, diet culture has brainwashed us into thinking that we can control our bodies, but really, a lot of it comes down to genetics. No, listen to your body, give it what it wants, and then work on the inside of how you can like love yourself in that way. And I think, yeah, like I always had big quads, like people called me quadzilla and I fucking loved my quads because I literally could lift the most on the tennis team and I was the fastest girl on the team and I was so proud. I even like I'll flex my calves now and guys will be like, how do you get your calves like that? (laughs) Like not attracted to them, but I'm so proud of them. And like, yeah, you cannot nitpick yourself or you'll drive yourself fucking crazy. And your body is always fluctuating, especially right now with all the hormones going on. Yeah, it's. It's like I remember one thing that really helped me was like everyone has like, you know, a little bit of like a patch of fat by their stomach, even at your like skinniest. And I mean, some people don't whatever on Instagram. And <laughs> yeah, some, like, some people uh, <laughs> they with go, Facetune don't. <laughs> yes, it's called Facetune. But someone was like, yeah, that's called being a woman. That's how you have your period. That's you need that fat there to have your period. And it's like we are animals that need to like water and feed and sunlight and like when you get to that bare kind of necessities it's like that's how you love yourself do you think that your perspective was similar to some of your castmates on the show or do you think it was different (sighs) great question so that this first season you'll see I actually gained 10 pounds from the beginning of the season to the end because of the stress I wasn't used to binge drinking that much the the food I I normally eat three meals a day I'm not a big snacker and it's pretty consistent when I eat but the show they'd be like okay we're gonna go to to dinner soon and then it's like the setup or like we're waiting for this next you know we're eating at nine and I would just be like shoving my face with food and if you'll see in most scenes I am the stress eater like when people start fighting so a lot of the girls would not finish their food and I would finish their food (laughs) oh really and producers have told me they're like we love you you're the one that like eats but um I do know that like the girls on the show are very fit and the the guys on the show are very fit too, but I've made it 
I didn't work out during it because I just told my mom, I'm like, I'm exhausted. After yeah. filming three days, I'm not like, oh, let's go to the gym and work my body out. So I wasn't working out and I was eating a lot, but it was like what I needed in that time. And I think some people's biggest fear is being on camera and being like not their perfect body. But um, I can't. Which is understand that. that's understandable, of course. Totally, I mean, I, I've totally. even had photo shoot or headshots taken where I'm like, oh, better not drink the night before because I don't want to look like a puffer fish. You know, like it's like yeah. a it's a normal thing to want to look your best on camera. But I do also wonder because the nature of the show is such that you guys are on vacation. And like you said, you're drinking a lot. And it's not a normal schedule. Yeah. For us to be healthy. I had an interesting back and forth with someone who messaged me on DM and he basically said like my I broke up with this girl because she was being rude that like I have a crush on you. Like I get the weirdest DMs and I and he sent me a photo of their exchange and she basically he basically was like I think Hannah's pretty and she was like really like you like that body type and he was like yeah I, I, I love like curvy girls and she was like that's disgusting <laughs> and he like sent this to me and she like sent him a picture of me in a scene in my bikini where like it was an angle that like you imagine if you were in a bikini partying drunk all day long and it was an angle like below and like oh I don't I, I, don't, I don't have to imagine my friends take pictures on the beach and I <laughs> want to arrest them I think it's a crime and I remember even seeing it on tv being like okay I was slumped over like I clearly wasn't trying to perk out my butt and like whatever right and she forwarded that picture and the guy was like yeah I think she's beautiful like fuck you for being disrespectful and like the exchange gave me so many different feelings but part of me is like what you're going to see is season four, too, which is hilarious, is that this model guy comes on. Okay. Like, the most beautiful, if you made up the most beautiful man in your mind, it was him. And he literally does a beeline towards me. Like, he was just new. Like, I like her energy. I'm into her. And it's funny because people even on, on the cast during it, some of them made some comments like, why do you think he even likes you? And it turns out this guy who you think would just like fuck models all the time. He's like, I love girls who are funny. I love girls who are athletic. And I love girls with big butts. And it's like, yeah, the guys who love me love my fucking body. And the guys who don't, they're not into me. And I'm probably not into them. Yeah. And I've just kind of felt like my natural body type a guy will love and a lot of it is really how you carry yourself it totally is and you know it's interesting I was thinking about this um I know that girls on app on dating apps and just in general always talk about you know they want a tall guy or they want a big like brolic guy who can tower over them and make them feel small yeah my boyfriend is maybe too inches or three inches taller than me he's very slim he's hairless like a fucking sphinx cat oh my god and I and it's the gold standard my theory is that girls think that they want that because they ha are projecting their own insecurities and they want to feel small but if you opened your eyes to like no actually there are lots of people that could make me feel like so um at home in my body and like they they he loves that I'm on the taller side you know what I mean mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I think everybody should try to expand like what they think is hot I am so guilty of that I mean I have a theory that I I think I like to brag and say that at Betches when I was creating tweets for them that I started the do I like him or is he just tall yeah 
<laughs> I've seen a lot of that content from you. It's very relatable. I used to say I wanted someone tall. But but I am the first one to say it's because I'm insecure and in that I'm very muscular. So I don't like to feel like I can like throw a football farther than a guy. So I'm attracted to these like huge douchey men. Um, and I'm single maybe because of it so far. But I like, yeah, I've literally dated, I've dated maybe like, 10 six six guys in my life six six large that's like large large. you'll see british dave on this season is this guy i'm saying six six but the point is is yes i am losing other opportunities by being like six ain't up right it's so funny i i always used to date really tall guys too and i always used to like hairy guys also like Mm. i wanted them to be manly or something like it's it's I'm like frowning right now because it's actually crazy that I used to like have those kinds of standards yeah like I want to make sure that there's no question about like my dainty femininity because there are so many questions about it like everyone is like I'm the dykiest straight girl ever so I'm like so I need the biggest most masculine guy and I'm also hairy as shit I'm from Italy um so I I do think I have to work on my own stuff to be able to feel good about myself and not rely on just like a large man. Who they say large men are not necessarily better in bed because they don't have to try as hard. No, in anything. De- they're definitely not. <laughs> also, your your crotches don't line up, so I think it's generally better when they line up a little bit better. But that's like a logistics thing. We don't have to get into that. True, true. But those details are important. They are important. Um, but yeah, summer house, summer house has been interesting. Like, I just. if you think about it you'll go crazy and I've just kind of been like you know what this is me and if I can help one girl feel more loving of her body because I'm on TV I try to be like I'm going on TV not to look like the perfect girl or be aspirational I'm going on TV to be vulnerable about like my emotional sides and my physical sides and I hope if I go in that perspective, it makes me feel safer and like happier about myself. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I I see all the memes of you. People love memeing your face because you have like a very <laughs> expressive face. Have you ever either like seen something online and thought like, oh God, like that's not cute, or or have you gotten like any kind of hateful negative comments that made you second guess appearing a certain way on TV? Well, it's funny. People like weren't that mean to me first season but then when this model guy like really liked me I started to get a lot of this like Hannah's like so below average looking like why is Luke with her or like Hannah's disgusting Hannah's oily okay first of all this is not true though you are very attractive oh my god thank you like very naturally pretty I just never put value on myself from looks and it's because like growing up my parents were never like you're a princess you're so pretty it was like how'd you do in school how was your tennis and that gave me other issues with that stuff but like so I never put my like body and my face and my looks forward I was kind of like he obviously likes me because my personality duh right people would just tear me apart in terms of like that he's so much better looking than me and I kind of want to be like is society that fucking you know they are that materialistic that it's just like this guy's so hot and this girl isn't a model how is this possible and I wanted to show like because I'm fucking confident in my body yeah I, I think it's a it's um it's twofold so for one I think that society in today's society we just love to tear a woman down like nobody nobody would 
um, say the same thing, I think, if the roles were reversed. You're so right. Yeah. You're I mean, so I right. see one of my favorite things to do is to see on Instagram um, couples pics and when the woman is disproportionately better looking than the man, I like to imagine a reverse scenario and maybe we'll see it at some point in the future, you know, like a conventionally very hot dude, um, Mm -hmm. let's say a professional model with someone who looks much less beautiful than you, like someone who truly is average or below average. (laughs) Well, that's what I wanted Love is Blind to be like, put some people with missing teeth, like put some people who aren't just the right weight. I want to see people fall in love with that. I I cannot talk about my problems that I had with that show. Like, (laughs) oh, surprise. Like they lift the veil. They both see each other. Surprise. We're both good looking. Like that is so not interesting to watch. Well, my whole theory was it's Love is Blind unless you're short the only person jessica didn't like mark because he was slightly short short. yeah i know it's absurd (laughs) it's absurd he was like 5'10 but i think it's because like we don't think that we can show average looking people on tv i think like that's where it comes from people want to watch tv they want to see attractive people on the screen yeah I know that that is probably true like that is probably tested and true but At the same time, we have to get to a certain point that we recognize the things that people see on TV, they do carry on into their everyday life. And if they only see one body type represented on TV, they're going to think that that's what they need to look like. And it's just not. And I don't mean to be like, oh, my God, I'm so humble. It's I'm just the kind of person like I don't really look at myself in the mirror very much. I don't like think a photo of me makes or breaks me I really try to be like I'm unique because I'm different and and I'm me because I look the way I am so I don't put value on looks and I think that that kind of energy has made sometimes like attractive guys like me because they they don't sense that insecurity I just want my body to be happy and I do think there needs to be more women who are just like their natural sizes that are healthy for them just healthy bodies healthy is what I want to go towards and I agree with you I think we need to see more people being proud of their bodies who are mid-size or plus size like I I want to see more of that yeah I think there isn't enough and that's why I need to post ass pics on Instagram for representation yes. and I love your fucking I love your ass pics I actually I don't sexualize myself really at all on Instagram it's mostly tweets funny videos or like occasionally a photo I think I look pretty in but I I haven't got to that place where you are where I'm like confident in the like high the highbrow thirst trap thank you I've never heard it t- referred to I that think way. I that might be the next step for me that might be the next step for my content I just get afraid that it's like I always ask why like I don't want to be like look my ass is so nice and like other girls feel bad about themselves because I posted my body looking good like I don't ever want to be that person online but when I see your th- when I see yours, your ass is fucking nice. Thanks. But I'm like, yes to the nice ass bitches out there. Like, I don't feel like she's trying to make me feel bad about my body. You know, I think that somebody could be triggered by anything. But I think as long as you're true to who you are, like for me and everybody's um, outlook on like what they post on Instagram is different. Like, I really don't give a fuck about like what people post on Instagram. But for me personally, 
I always try to have an element of humor or cheekiness yes. and like I would yes. I, I am not a model I'm not like putting myself out there to be an Instagram model I'm putting it out to normalize things and to be funny about it and also to get a shit ton of likes on my ass obviously we're gonna wrap up but Hannah thank you so much for coming on the show and being so vulnerable thank you for having me I love vulnerability it's the only thing that turns me on oh me too it it gets me high it gets me wet (laughs) where can people find you and follow you um, they can follow me at Being Burns, B-E-I-N-G-B-E-R-N-Z on all the social medias. And then um, if you are interested in mental health and comedy, I have a podcast called Burning in Hell, B-E-R-N. Emily, I need you on it. Um, I, I'm dying to be on. It's a great podcast. Look out for that episode with Emily coming out to a theater near you soon. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. So I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Hannah Burner as much as I did. God, what a breath of fresh air. I did just want to throw in that Hannah talked a lot about hateful comments and feedback that she's gotten for having a certain body type on the show Summer House. Please keep in mind that Hannah is a straight-sized woman. Um, I didn't want anybody to hear that conversation and think that she was a plus-size woman and then look her up and see that she is thin-bodied. But I actually think that the amount of feedback that she has gotten from people really speaks volumes to the expectation of what people look like on TV. And even if you deviate slightly from that image, people will have something to say. And it's unfortunate that that is the case. But I I just love her attitude. I love how she has such a strong sense of self and an amazing confidence that I think we all should try to emulate. So that's the show, guys. You can follow me at Lubination, that's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N on Instagram, and be a part of the conversation. I say it every time, slide into my DMs. Tell me what you think about the show, if there are particular guests that you want to hear from, if there are topics you want me to cover. Nothing is off limits as of right now. I'm completely open to suggestions. So please get at me. Until next time.